I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Inside the Game Guys podcast, happy Monday, August 16th to everyone out there in Gamecock land. Boy, it was an eventful weekend. <clears throat> First scrimmage uh, of the preseason and some quarterback injury news. Uh, I want to thank Heritage Digital once again. You heard the ad at the top of the show. Please check those guys out if you want uh, to fix your IT problems at work. Uh, give my friend Matt a call. Uh, like we said there at the ad at the top of the show. And this portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital, as always. Luke Doty, uh, projected starting quarterback for South Carolina, suffers a foot injury in practice on Friday. Someone stepped on it. Uh, Diagnosis is right now a sprain. Uh, There were some conflicting uh, reporting out there about the severity of the injury, but uh, he's uh, tracking to be good to go, at least I think by the East Carolina game, based on what I've heard. Uh, But with these injuries, you know, it takes time. It's a foot injury. That's always serious, especially when you're a player like Doty. Uh, Footwork was a big key uh, to his season this year. And, you know, that type of injury, sometimes can linger in your mind a little bit when you're trying to get your mechanics together. Uh, And that's not to mention the fact that he's a a runner at the quarterback position. Um, So anything that affects your mobility also impacts you. So, um, you know, I want to, I want people to take this seriously. I mean, it's a, it's a serious deal, uh, even though it's not as probably serious as we once thought where, you know, a Liz Frank injury, as we all saw with Jake Bentley, uh, a few years ago can end your season. So uh, it's it's a good deal for the Gamecocks that, you know, that, that does not appear to be the case at, at this time. Um, and for Luke, you know, it's a setback. Uh, you know, he needed all the reps he could get. Uh, they all do. All the quarterbacks do. And uh, it, it is a setback in terms of him being ready to roll uh, against Eastern Illinois here in a shade under three weeks as the starter for South Carolina. So where do the Gamecocks go? You know, Jason Brown – um, starting experience at the college level. It was at St. Francis, threw for over 3,000 yards there two years ago. Uh, different, little different style of quarterback than Doty. Uh, 
but not a not a statue in the pocket. You know, I saw a lot of people uh, gnashing their teeth about that. You know, you know, and comparing him to like Colin Hill last year. Colin Hill was uh, not mobile. You know, we, we all knew that. Uh, you know, say what you want about him. Uh, quite frankly, I'm a little tired of discussing Colin Hill and Ryan Helensky and, and Jake Bentley, uh, like on the message boards and, and all that. I think that those subjects are, you know, uh, gone, dead and buried, in my opinion, as it relates to the Gamecocks and this year. Uh, you know, no matter what your opinion is of Hill, Helensky, Bentley, they've all moved on. You know, Hill's still with the Bengals. You got to wish him the best. Jake Bentley's about to start his final year at South Alabama, uh, playing for Major Applewhite, Kane Womack, and uh, Ryan Helensky's battling for the, the starting job at Northwestern. And uh, that, that that's those are all irrelevant subjects to the Gamecocks. Jason Brown, however, is relevant. Uh, and, and I'll say this, you know, Shane Beamer mentioned it in the post-game, post-scrimmage press conference that, you know, he got himself out of trouble a couple of times. If you watch him on film, he, you know, he's not what you'd call like a runner, you know, like like a doty maybe. But he is a guy that, that can, you know, scramble around and make plays down the field with his arm. Uh, or, you know, if there's a, an open spot, you know, he can, he can take off and get yardage. I mean, you know, I, somebody asked if he was as mobile as maybe Dylan Thompson when he was at South Carolina. And I think, you know, I think that's exactly probably how mobile he is, you know. And if you remember, Jake Bentley was pretty mobile too. Not to bring him up after I just said not to, uh, but Jake could Jake could get out of trouble like that too, especially when you know you're talking about scrambling and keeping your eye downfield. You know, <clears throat> go back to 2017 NC State game, Texas A&M game, uh, both had plays where Bentley kind of avoided trouble, threw it down the field and made a big play for a touchdown. One to Debo and one to Shai Smith, who had a good catch by the way for the Panthers the other night. Uh, great catch actually. So, um, so yeah. Jason Brown, that, that's probably the leader in the clubhouse. I can't rule out Colton Gauthier taking the job. Uh, Connor Jordan, a walk-on who they really like, is getting some reps as well. Uh, DeCarian Joyner took some reps at QB, but uh, I think that's for an emergency situation. Um, you know, as Beamer stated, 97% of his snaps are at receiver, and he made some good plays in the scrimmage at receiver. Uh, I, I think, though, that you know, when you talk about Wildcat, Marcus Satterfield said this um, is either in the during the spring or this offseason that, you know, heck, yeah, you know, Joyner's going to have some Wildcat quarterback opportunities. And um, that hasn't changed, you know, and I think that, you know, as Beamer said, in an emergency situation, you know, you'd be sort of dumb not to at least rep him there a little bit to, you know, maybe he can get you out of a game or something like that. So Joyner you know, not moving back to quarterback full-time, not in the quarterback meeting rooms, but did take some snaps there uh, just as a refresher. And my understanding is this was going to happen regardless, you know, with Joyner doing some wildcat, that kind of thing. There's a lot of stuff in the playbook. And, I, and I'll say this, I think that, you know, with the injury to Doty, assuming he does not make it back by Eastern Illinois, um, you know, you, you're going to see kind of, the reason they're running what they're going to run on offense, because uh, it's designed to be very compatible with your personnel. You know, you, you, you hear that term all the time from coaches. We're going to play to our strengths. We're going to do what our players can do. Uh, and this system is designed that way. It's not square peg into round hole. 
you know, you're not, it's not Mike Leach out there, you know, going five wide and running his system, no matter what uh, it's a adaptable uh, system, you know, and that that's the idea behind it. And, you know, at South Carolina, quite frankly, you're going to, you're going to have years where, you know, you, you, you may not, you may be stronger at one spot than another, you know, it's nice to have talent across the board, uh, but very few schools in the country can just line up and say, Hey, uh, we're going to do what we do, and we've got enough players here to to where it doesn't matter. Uh, that's just not something that's realistic, especially in the Southeastern Conference, where you know the the feel is because I, I and I say the feel is because it didn't happen last year, but last year was a weird year because of COVID and all that. But the feeling is you're going to run up against some really good defenses, um, and, and South Carolina could be a really good defense as well this year, especially on the lines of scrimmage. So, you know that that's what you got to do you know, is uh, adapt and, and move forward. I, I think that Jason Brown, although, you know, I was never one to subscribe to, well, he made those plays in the spring game, therefore he's better than Doty. Uh, and I, and I, I stand by that. You know, I don't, I, I don't think that spring game uh, was a, you know, I don't think it was very fair to Luke to sit there and, you know, go off on his ability to throw and, and praise Jason Brown against some four teamers and some throws he made. Um, you know, and I certainly don't think it was fair to sit there and look at the last three games, two and a half games that Doty played last year and act like that's who he's going to be. Uh, players do improve. That's a fact in football. Most of the time <laughs> they do, you know, you, you don't have a, 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 you know, even Trevor Lawrence improved, you know, during his first year, uh, right before everybody's eyes. I mean, you know, it, it, everybody can always get better. Uh, and, and I think that the, the, the tendency around here sometimes uh, a quarterback especially is to have like outsized expectations. Uh, and then a lot of people pick favorites just based on their own personal belief of the position and who's better and all that. Well, you know, I, I, I never subscribed to that. I thought, you know, Luke Doty is the starter. There's a reason he was the starter and the reason he was going to be tough to beat out uh, this year, you know, in, in the preseason, but he, he's down right now. So they're going to rep everybody else. And, you know, as far as Jason Brown goes, I, I'll say this, you know, there, there's, you know, n- not a lot of people within the program uh, have worked harder than he has this offseason. Uh, and a lot of people have worked hard. You know, everybody's worked really hard at South Carolina this offseason, but Jason Brown has gotten in better shape. Uh, he's gotten his nose in the playbook. Uh, he's got some talent. Uh, his arm, you know, you, you look at it and uh, I compare it and I'm not comparing him to Vince Young as a player, because obviously Vince Young, totally different type of player uh, than Jason Brown is going to be. But his his arm and throwing motion remind me a little bit of that because you'd watch Vince and you'd go, man, this is kind of weird release thing there. But then it would just, you know, he'd hit Lima Sweet or whoever else right in the bread basket. And, and that's kind of from watching Jason Brown both on film and also in person at practice the other day, that's kind of the guy he is. Um, you know, he let one sail on him a little bit to Ortray Smith, but then came right back and threw a strike to him. The quarterbacks the day I watched him Tuesday were on the money, 11 on 11. Um, and then Jason Brown does have some chemistry with EJ Jenkins from having played with him for a while and all that good stuff. So, you know, in speaking to contacts after the Doty news broke and after Beamer's press conference, the feeling within the program is things are going to be okay. You know, and I'm not trying to minimize it. 
Um, I think it's a significant deal whenever your starter at quarterback goes down. There's a reason he was the starter, as I mentioned. Um, but, you know, that's why you have backups. And, and that's why you go and, you know, get a transfer quarterback in the offseason because you, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, and I, I think Jason Brown, you know, like I said, as far as his confidence goes and his arm, his ability to lead, you know, that kind of thing, I, I don't have any questions about that. I, I, uh, I just think, you know, it's a matter of adjusting the offense a little bit because I, I'll, I, I think Luke Doty running the ball was going to be a big part of it um, and, uh, and going from there. You know, and, and the good news is, too, now look, and, and this is nothing against Eastern Illinois. Uh, they didn't have a very good spring season. Um, that is a team that does not match up well with South Carolina or anybody else in the Southeastern Conference. Um, that is a good opener. You know, it, it would be a lot different story if the Gamecocks were going to play North Carolina and Charlotte that first game or at Vanderbilt or, or, or some of the other openers they've had over the years. You know, the Eastern Illinois, I mean, even Coastal Carolina coming in, you know, with the players they have coming back this year, that, that you know, you, you sit there and you go, oh, man, that's going to be tricky. Uh, Eastern Illinois, maybe not so much. And that's nothing against their program. I mean, obviously, Tony Romo played there. I mean, they have – the Panthers have a proud tradition. Um, but uh, it, it just isn't the, their best period right now. Now, their head coach came from Northwestern, as I mentioned the other day, Cushing. Adam Cushing, I think is his name. Uh, was under Pat Fitzgerald for about a decade. So, you know, they're probably going to maximize what they've got. They're probably going to be pretty well coached coming in on September 4th. But, you know, let, let's just, you know, face facts here. that They're, they're at a big disadvantage coming in. Um, and I think East Carolina, you know, even though that game is on the road, uh, you know, you'd probably feel better if it was at Williams-Brice. But it's it's that road game that was scheduled a long time ago when Skip Holtz was at East Carolina and Steve Spurrier was at South Carolina. I remember the quote directly, good to play Skip Holtz's team, you know, from, from the head ball coach. And it just kept getting moved back and back and back. The trip to Greenville uh, to make room, you know, I think a couple of times for North Carolina – uh, and a couple of times to make room for somebody else. So that then that happens. But this is, you know, you're finally going to pay the piper on this one and have to go up there. But I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't see where East Carolina. Although, you know, again, lots of respect for Mike Houston and all that. I, I don't, I don't know where South Carolina should be this major underdog uh, in that one. Uh, although, you know, if it's close, it's close. I mean, you survive in advance. Uh, so you got two games before you go between the hedges in Athens. Um, and so you're probably feeling pretty good, you know, about that opportunity if you have to go with another quarterback because at that point, if it's Brown or whoever, you know, he's got his feet wet. He's played two games. Obviously, the level of competition goes up. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's, you know that, that's, that's a little bit more of a positive thing, you know, in that situation uh, than having a guy just go out and start against a major – you know, power five program uh, that's expecting success and all that good stuff. So there's time there, you know, uh, I, you know, looking at scouting report on Brown, you know, I, I think that uh, with all these players that come up from FCS uh, speed of the game, that that's important. Just like, just as it is from a guy coming from high school, you know, can you adjust that quick? Um you know, I, I watched some 11-on-11 11 11 pass scale drills uh, the other day. He looked like he was throwing it fine against the Carolina secondary. So, um, you know, and, and it wasn't as if, 
the secondary didn't have coverage. It was, you know, he's putting it in the right place and all that. That's one practice, though. Uh, Beamer did say he made some plays and, and threw it around, made some explosive plays. So, you know, we'll see here. I, I do still think that the wide receiver position, you know, or, or just in general, the pass catchers, you know, that, that's going to be a key uh, for any quarterback. Uh, I think with Jason Brown specifically, you know, because he's, he's kind of a rhythm passer and all that good stuff, and, and he's more of a passer than a runner. Um, you know, they're going to have to step up. Uh, good news, I, I thought, coming from Beamer about Jalen Brooks. Uh, when I saw Jalen Brooks in practice the other day, uh, I did not get to see him make a catch. <laughs> saw Joyner and Ortre Smith and some other guys. But, uh, you know, I, I did see him down in the punt return group with Juju McDowell and DeCarian Joyner. And, boy, I mean, physically, he's very impressive. He's a big guy, you know. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously fast. Um, he'd had the drops last year, the drop last year. And, obviously, his debut at LSU was disappointing for everybody involved with the program um, in terms of the outcome of that game and the performance of the offense in that game, particularly the passing offense. Uh, I understand that the, the – the drop against Texas A&M sticks in everybody's mind. But if you look at it again, you talk about speed of the game and adjusting. And that's the way it is. Like, like for anybody coming from a different level up, he's kind of just thrown to the fire and, and there was some adjustment, but he can, you know, just like everybody else, he can get better because uh, the tools are there. You never got a sense when you watch Jalen Brooks last year that athletically he did not belong. Uh, I thought, you know, if I had to describe his performance start to finish, it would I would call it very green, a very green performance by him. You know, like he was feeling his way a little bit. But, uh, you know, Jalen can be good to carry and joiner. Obviously can be good at receiver. Josh Van, they mentioned him. Bieber mentioned him. They mentioned those were the top three. Um, and he also mentioned old Trey Smith. So, you know, you're kind of starting to see, you know, and, and a lot of people ask me, what about Amari and Brown? Uh, from Georgia Tech, uh, my understanding is he's still it, he's still part of the conversation. Uh, it just needs to kind of continue to work and come on. Uh, I know some of you, you know, love to remind me that a source at Georgia Tech uh, compared him to Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, obviously Tyreek Hill is a fantastic football player. Uh, I qualified that by saying this is the opinion of one source. Um, and uh, look, sources sometimes have their opinions and it, it may end up being hyperbolic and, you know, not, not necessarily true. I said I thought he was as good as Shy Smith uh, as a freshman because production-wise, he Shy, I think, caught 29 balls. I think Amarian caught 30 and seven touchdowns. Um, but, you know, upon further review, I was probably wrong about that because Shy uh, is a different type of player. Uh, you know, Shy is a more – I mean, if I had to compare Brown to somebody, it'd probably be Demir Bird, uh, just in all honesty. And um, Bird's still in the NFL, so obviously that's a that's a very high, lofty comparison. Uh, but Shy, you know, when you really break the two down, you know, Shy's a guy that can go up and make tough catches. He's, you know, a really good-handed guy, kind of stronger than you'd think, that type of thing. Well, as Amarian, sort of a, just basically a speed merchant. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll see what, uh, what Brown, Amari and Brown ends up doing. But, um, you know, right now, uh, obviously it looks like uh, it's uh, going to be 
Brooks, Van, and Joyner as your three starting receivers with a little old Trey Smith mixed in and, you know, some of some of those other guys. Uh, you know, Rico Powers did some good things the other day, according to Beamer, all that. But that that group in general has to has to be good. And then Jaheim Bell and EJ Jenkins, obviously, at tight end as sort of the hybrid type guys. Uh, and then you go with Nick Muse, uh, you know, as the attached tight end, who obviously will have his shot to to make his share of place. Those guys are going to have to be good uh, for a Jason Brown-led offense to work because here's what's going to happen. If the Gamecocks cannot throw the football effectively, uh, as time moves on, you know, maybe you won't notice it the first couple of weeks, but as time moves on, teams are just going to say, all right, uh, and Missouri did this last year in the first half before Doty got in. They, they were like, "All right, we're we're just gonna we're gonna stack the box and overwhelm you with numbers up front and not let you run it, and we'll see if you can throw it." And you saw how ugly that first half was against Missouri because the Gamecocks couldn't get anything going in the passing game. Um, and, and so that's what's going to happen to this offense this year. I don't care how how you scheme it up or how good you are. You're going to have to, you know, be able to throw it down the field. Uh, to keep defenses honest and to keep them from, you know, putting an extra hat in there and stopping Marshawn Lloyd or Kevin Harris or whoever. Uh, Kevin Harris still isn't back from injury. Um, They still think he's going to be ready to go for the first game. I hope so. Uh, Anytime you have a back situation, uh, I think you have to be very careful, especially if you're a football player uh, or any kind of athlete, you know, look, Look, Tiger Woods can tell you about back back issues. That's uh, that's serious stuff. You got to proceed with uh, immense caution when it comes to back injuries. Uh, and so I, I don't blame him for kind of holding him out. You hope he's okay. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, I think again, first couple of games. You know, you've got Lloyd and you've got Zaquandre White out there who's continued to make play after play after play after play. And then you got Rashad Amos. Uh, and then you got Juju McDowell, who's uh, – for uh, if there's a freshman outside of Colton Gauthier that's been very impressive, it would probably be Juju McDowell. Um, he's played really, really well. Um, and uh, he could end up being the punt returner too, by the way. So, you know, probably a pretty good evaluation there by the previous staff, Des Kitchings, um, to get him – in the boat, uh, just an electric player. Size, he's not big. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, saw him in person. Juju is not a big guy. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of guys that play this game at a high level, when they have speed and the desire to make plays and the the tenacity that he does and the elusiveness that he does, it, it doesn't matter. You know, that, it can be hard to get your hands on him. Um, and a lot of times small guys like that too, you know, they, they can take – they absorb hits pretty well because you can't really square up. You're just kind of – if you're six foot four, 250 pounds, you kind of engulf them, and they've got leverage on you. So they're not really taking the big pop. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we can discuss whether or not he's a 20, 25 carry a game guy. I don't, I don't – I tend not to think that. But, you know, I don't think that, you know, he's going to sweat – some tough, you know, a few touches in a game, and I, I think there's a chance he can make some some big plays for him this year as a true freshman, be it punt return or on offense from scrimmage or, or whatnot. You know, and you've got, you know, like I said, Joiner with a wildcat package. They're going to use him kind of as a versatile guy. Jaheim Bell, I think they're going to use in the same way. Uh, so you've got you've got some 
sort of versatile guys that I think they're going to have to count on this year. Uh, and it may get confusing at times because you may sit there and go, well, you know, the tight ends did well today because uh, they had, you know, 15 catches <laughs> uh, combined in a game. Receivers had three. But, you know, E.J. Jenkins and Jaheim Bell are going to line up all over. So regardless of what they technically are listed as, you know, that still plays in your passing game that you're going to get. I think Jaheim Bell, uh, you know, if there's a guy they really need to keep healthy, I think it's probably him. Um, well, well, along with Jason Brown now at quarterback or, or Colton, go whoever wins that job. But you, uh, you know, you, you look at, um, you look at it and uh, you kind of think Bell is probably going to be a, a player they really, really count on this season Jenkins too. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see that, um, you know, looking at it, I, I thought, you know, some, some positive things out of the scrimmage on defense, switching to that side of the ball. Now uh, the Zach Pickens tracking the guy down and forcing the fumble thing is huge. That's what we all want to see out of Zach Pickens. It's what you have wanted to see out of him from the start. Uh, you know, Tony Morrell had a report today, said Jordan Strawn and Aaron Sterling were really good passing, pass rushing the other day. Uh, people started bemoaning the offensive line, but I'm going to tell you that, and I say this over and over. In this league, people have unrealistic, at every school, unrealistic expectations about the offensive line. Um, you're going to have times where you're faced with athletes that make you look bad, and you got to hold your own. This is not – it's a line of scrimmage league, but it's stilted, stilted way more towards the D line. Um, I think South Carolina's offensive line is going to be very good, but people can't panic. Uh, I'll say this. They're going to give up a sack or two. They're going to be stuffed in the run game at times. Uh, and you know why? That happens at every school in the country. It happens at Alabama and Georgia just like it happens in Clemson everywhere. You know, South Carolina is not – unique uh getting stuffed on fourth and short and it'll happen this year people will blame the line and that's fine it's just reality when you're facing the schedule you've got to face so you, you i don't expect to see a situation where like you know if we go back in time a little bit during the spurrier era where the gamecocks had trouble blocking wofford you know i i, I just you guys remember that game i think it was either the 27 20 game or the 23 13 game one of those one of those games where Wofford scared the you-know-what out of the Gamecocks. Um, Carolina had trouble blocking them that game. Well, I think Wofford had a five foot nine, 230-pound nose guard in one of those. And, uh, he was getting penetration. Uh, I don't expect that to happen. In fact, I think, you know, the first couple of games, the Gamecocks have a great shot to have uh, tremendous amounts of success uh, in terms of uh, – you know, that particular position. But I'm um, stick with defense. Um, obviously, you know, with Karon Prunty leaving the program, uh, it's a, that's a blow no matter how you look at it, um, you know, especially with Cameron Smith out. Uh, but I thought the news on Marcellus Dial was good. It backed up sort of what I've been hearing all offseason about him. Uh, liked him a lot in the spring game, too. Thought he was very active back there. Uh, like his film from Woodruff High School where he was all over the field, tackling, making plays, all that. I, I see why the Gamecocks took him uh, out of junior college uh, at Georgia Military. And, you know, the issue with him, I think, uh, just like a lot of those guys back there, he sat in, has not played a lot of football. Um, 
in a while, you know, maybe since Woodruff. So, you know, what Prunty did, I thought, you know, assuming Cam Smith got back healthy was, you know, you've got Prunty and Smith starting. You don't have to throw Marcellus Dial to the Wolves. Well, now you got to throw him to the Wolves. Well, he and maybe Dominic Hill both at corner. Um, you know, so that's uh, that's a situation. You know, we'll see Dominic Hill. Beamer kind of acted like, you know, that that spot opposite Dial was up for grabs, and and I believe it is. I think though, if you because Beamer mentioned this, and based on what I've heard, if you heard and remember from the spring, I think Hill was kind of slightly ahead of some of the other ones back there. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman from Orlando. For those of you that don't remember, South Carolina beat Texas on him uh, and some other schooling. Texas and Oklahoma both came in and tried to flip him. Uh, but he's got a lot of speed, and, um, you know, we'll see sort of what goes on there. Again, he's a guy that didn't get to play a whole lot till the end of last year with the opt-outs and all that. Uh, and the opt-outs and stuff like that is going to do him some good. You know, I, I think playing – uh, any snap you can get as a young player, I think, is going to help him. But you know, so so we'll see what happens in the secondary. Uh, you know, I think at safety, uh, you're still tracking for Jalen Foster and R.J. Roderick to be your starters. I know that uh, some people aren't fired up about that. You know, I would have concerns as well. Based on body of work, I mean, there's no hiding it. Roderick struggled last year, and then he opted out. And then, you know, Foster is another one of those guys that got a lot of reps as the season went on. Situation was never ideal. Uh, but but he's playing better. And R.J. Roderick is a kid that since the new staff got there, they've been really pleased with what he's done and, and all that. And, you know, a lot of people think a lot – of R.J. Roderick, the, the previous staff included. I mean, it wasn't – I even saw him listed on uh, some NFL uh, projections the other day, you know, and I, I don't – I haven't dove into the 2022 NFL draft, so I don't know if that's my – if I agree with that or what, but um, I do think that, uh, you know, there is some confidence about both of those guys, and I think Jalen Dickerson staying healthy behind them is good. Unfortunately, Jamar Brown uh, was held from the scrimmage with a minor injury, but, you know, I, I think that's probably your starting nickel. Uh, if not him, it'll probably be Carlin Splatel, maybe David Spalding uh, in there. But, uh, you know, I, I I think that Brown being a full – Jamar Brown, well, there's a lot of Browns, right? Jason Brown, Amarian Brown, Jamar Brown. Uh, Jamar Brown – being a full-time safety will help. I've always thought he had excellent ball skills uh, and all that. Again, he has to stay healthy uh, or, or, and whatnot. So there you go. Um, there's my take on, on what's happened over the weekend. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, it's, um, it's, there's no spin on this. It's not a positive thing. Whenever your alleged potential starting quarterback uh, misses time in the preseason. That's not good. And Luke Doty being as young as he is needs every rep. But, you know, it, it could end up being that it's not as big of a deal as people made it out to be. Um, and then Jason Brown is a guy that I think is going to attack the day uh, with a lot of confidence. I, I think he believes, you know, he believes that, that he's the starter or could be the starter. 
Um, and he's a guy with a lot of comp, you know, that's brought a lot of competition to the table with Doty. And he's done what the coaches have asked him to. Uh, and, and he's a guy with experience. So, you know, he's going to step in and, you know, we'll see kind of what happens if indeed Jason ends up being the starter for the first game against Eastern Illinois, which I think, I think pro- my guess is, this is a guess, that's probably what's going to happen. I, you know, is my guess is that at least Jason Brown will start against the Panthers. And then everybody's just going to kind of go from there and, and see what happens. Now, that's a guess, you know. Uh, everything I was told was they're, they're not overly concerned about Luke being out for the year or whatever. Um, but my guess is, you know, just out of an abundance of caution, you may be looking at him not playing uh, against EIU here uh, in a little less than three weeks, folks. Man, it's uh, it's coming up fast. This month is going by fast. Maybe it's because I was on vacation and vacations always go by fast, but uh, it does seem like um, – this month is sort of flying by <laughs> uh, here with the podcast on the site and all that good stuff. So uh, just wanted to uh, bring you guys up to date on all of that. And hopefully, you know, hopefully things will work out. I, I do think the Marcellus dial news to me is very, very encouraging. I think the Jalen Brooks news is very encouraging. It matches up what I've been hearing about Jalen Brooks all off season. Um, you know, I, I think it's sort of a little unfortunate because, you know, they, they had one long pass to Jalen Brooks uh, in the spring game. And I think somebody had pretty good coverage on it and Doty threw it down the field. It was incomplete. Uh, I think it's a little unfortunate. Maybe he didn't, you know, just from a dealing with fan standpoint that, you, you know, that one wasn't complete or maybe they didn't throw another long one to him or something like that. Cause I, I just really don't think people understand that, you know, guys get better and, and athletically and talent wise, Jalen Brooks has a lot of talent. I mean, look, I, he looked very physically impressive to me. Um, when I saw him back there returning punts with, uh, uh, shoot, Juju McDowell and, uh, also to and Jordan. I mean, he, uh, Brooks is a big guy and, uh, can run. Uh, Bieber also mentioned Xavier Leggett, and again, there's a lot of speed and size there too. He just again has been injured and is out. And I thought he was sort of coming on. If you look at the Florida game last year, I thought you know there were some times you know, he was you, you could see him getting more comfortable. Then he just disappeared because of injury. I think maybe he, maybe he lasted till Vanderbilt game three, uh, and then. I don't know if I saw him much against Auburn or not. So, uh, but that was one where we didn't even find out he was hurt until Mike Bobo took over and said, hey, he's been out. So <laughs> there you go. But he was number two last year behind Shy Smith. I mean, as for whatever that means. So, um, and then I'll mention Josh Van again. You know, I said if, if he can get back to 19 catches like he had, I think, two years ago, because uh, I think he went 18 as a freshman, 19 as a sophomore, and then – it was 10 last year. If he can get back to that 19, 20 range, I, I don't, I don't know if or Trey Smith um, will get back to 30 catches or not, but if he can get to 20, you know, that that's 40 receptions. That's going to help, especially if, you know, Brooks is your wide receiver one and Bell can catch it and Jenkins can catch it and all that. So we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens. Gamecocks, um, 
we'll continue to practice this week. I think there's another scrimmage Saturday, so we'll see how all of it goes. Did want to mention this. Uh, Shane Beamer uh, in his press conference talked about how it was bull crap. He used that word that uh, the sky was falling, doom and gloom, uh, all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, some people were like, ah, you know, made mention of his inexperience and stuff. Look, man, I I don't I don't know how you glean that from his comments. Uh, you know, people he looks rattled. You know, Shane Beamer doesn't get rattled, guys. <laughs> yeah, Shane, Shane Beamer is a confident individual. Shane Beamer is a competitor, and Shane Beamer is going to defend his program. And Shane Beamer is not going to buy into the doom and gloom uh, over one injury. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, and so if you guys were expecting that you know, expect something else because that's never going to happen. But but Shane Beamer, don't, you know, don't let the fact that he's an extremely nice person who feeds on positive energy uh, fool you. He, he is uh, as competitive as it gets. And if he sees something that's wrong, he's going to call it out. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I don't know where some of that stuff was coming from. Like, oh, oh he looked rattled or no, he didn't look rattled. Uh, he's just calling it out, you know, uh, and I think he's you know trying to help his team, you know, continue to remain focused and block out the noise, you know, because that, that's what all good teams. That's what if you if you want to be a good team, that's what you do. That's what good coaches do, you know. I, I'd be nervous if he was just like, well, you know, that wasn't a good deal, and you know, we're we're probably going to struggle now, and you know, we just got to kind of piece it together. I mean, no. It, it, you know, that's not how you do things. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention that because I, I saw some people talk about Beamer. And I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> the people that, and, and it's kind of funny because, you know, you, and this isn't just posters on the message board. Usually the folks, you know, like, like on the message board, I'll give you this example. It's, it's like, I don't think Beamer handled it well. Okay. So then you go through and, People are defending Beamer. They're agreeing with the criticism, whatever. And then it, it comes out later that, oh, I was never in favor of the hire to begin with. So, you know, that's the problem. And, and, and that's been a problem around here for a long time. I mean, you know, because I, I think that when you're talking about a fan base that had two coaching searches in 15 years and they ended up with Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, you know, two guys that it's easy to rally around, you know, you're obviously not going to get a lot of people rallying around Will Muschamp because, uh, you know, the expectation was that there's going to be a bit better resume coming in. Uh, and so that wasn't helpful when he was trying to get it going. And then, you know, Shane Beamer is the type of hire that I think a lot more people are rallied around a lot. Most vast majority of Gamecock fans, really. Uh, it's been easier to do, I think, but then you still have some people that, or naysayers that, you know, oh, he's never been a coordinator, you know, uh, and always got to correct people, never been an offensive or defensive coordinator, has been a special teams coordinator, a recruiting coordinator, an assistant head coach, an associate head coach. I mean, there's, you know, there's been a lot of leadership roles he has taken that, that prepare you to be a head coach that, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, drawing up the offensive and defensive game plan every week. So, that's uh, to me that the coordinator thing is irrelevant, but uh, 
it's just kind of funny that the, you know, the same people that, you know, cause there hasn't been a lot to criticize, you know, on Beamer. Uh, this past week was adversity week. You know, Gamecocks, that's the most adversity they faced, you know, since, uh, you know, he got the job. I mean, you know, you have um, the starting quarterback going out with an injury. Uh, you have Karan Prunty, who was sort of a prized recruit uh, through the transfer portal, leaving the program at corner in a position that, you, you know, you, you need some answers at. Uh, Jordan Rhodes left the program, too. I don't think that's as big of a deal. I think that's playing time related because Jordan, well, let's just call it like it is. He had been beaten out. Uh, Jalen Nichols moving to guard was was probably that was probably the writing on the wall with Rhodes because Nichols is probably long term better uh, than Rhodes. I mean, I don't, I don't want to discount what Jordan did as a starter at South Carolina and all that, but but Jalen Nichols, if we remember correctly, that the guy held down right tackle. Uh, as a true freshman in a win at Georgia. I mean, he's had some times as a young offensive lineman where you go, wow. Uh, and I think at 6'5", 330, uh, right there at left guard, I, I think that guy, I think he fits in pretty well. If you if you go with Turnantine and him on that left side, that's a that's some big guys that can move. Uh, and, and Rhodes was big and can move and all that. But I just, you know, I, I think between that and then, Vinnie Murphy's had a good off season. You know, you, you've still got, uh, you got Hank Manos at center who was banged up during the scrimmage as well. You got Tyshawn Wanamaker who's going to play some tackle. You got a guy like Vershawn Lee who's actually started at right tackle last year in the first game as a true freshman. Uh, he's played on the inside. You know, there's a lot of those younger guys that, that were probably about to pass Rhodes as well. Uh, I'll tell you this. It wouldn't surprise me to see Rhodes at an FBS program though, because You've got a lot of schools around the country that don't have the numbers in offensive line like South Carolina does. And you got a guy that started 11, 12 games in the SEC at guard. Uh, and you're sitting there and he's that big and athletic. And you're sitting there looking at, oh, well, we got this you know, 285 pound true freshman that, that fights really hard, but uh, we've got issues on the interior. You know, you, you're probably going to take a look at Rhodes, um, I think, as far as, uh, in fact, I got some some texts from some people wanting his number. I didn't have it, but uh, wanting his number that, that seemed to be interested uh, in him coming and playing, you know, at a school. So we'll see what happens with Rhodes. Uh, that was, you know, it, it's a big deal only if the Gamecocks have a rash of injuries on the interior with the starters and stuff. And then I think it becomes a big deal because you'd rather have a guy with 11 starts and all that in there playing than, you know, maybe a guy that's green that's never played. But uh, right now, that's a little bit less of a situation than Prunty, but still it all adds up to, you know, what I'm going to call adversity week. And um, I've said this many times, you know, Beamer and his staff doing all the right things. They hadn't faced adversity. Uh, and I think in life, football, uh, whatever you want to say, you know, relationships, uh, family, uh, you name the topic. It's not about what happens is how you respond to it. You know, how are you going to respond? This, that we're not promised easy street uh, in life, football, wherever. So, in my opinion, you know, th this is the beginning of a response. Uh, and I think Beamer's press conference showed how he plans to respond. And then that's like, hey, next man up, uh, let's go. So what, now what, as Muschamp used to say. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to use all the Muschampisms here. 
he did have some ones that are applicable, though, uh, if you think about it. I don't know how many were his or how many he just gleaned from someone else. I don't know. But uh, I don't want to use them. I know you guys don't like the must-champisms. But that's uh, so what now what? That's exactly the attitude you need to take. Um, you know, and, and, and I think, too, you know, uh, saying, hey, look, we have a hell of a football team, that's good. You know, that, that's a good thing. I mean, that, that kind of makes everybody feel better. And that's the job of the head coach is to say, hey, look, let's calm the waters here. All is not lost, that type of thing. And it's not. And, and look, I think sort of out of all this, you know, we, we all sort of knew Jason. You can watch Jason Brown's whole season highlights from St. Francis. You've seen him throw the ball. You sort of know what you're going to get. You know, you knew what he needed to work on, getting in shape and all that. You know he's a different quarterback than Doty. The unknown that, that I think is important that people may have missed is Beamer saying Marcellus Dow may have had the best preseason of any defensive player on a defense that has a lot of guys. You know, they may not all be defensive backs, but they have a lot of guys. Uh, and so with Dial – you know, I, I think that may be something that's getting lost is because you're kind of wondering, and I, I was wondering the same thing, how do you replace Pruddy? Well, here's Marcellus Dial, you know, who's had a great camp, you know, and you get Cam Smith back, you know, if, like I said, concerned about the fact he hadn't played in a while, but if you get him back and you get Cam Smith back, well, there you go. There, there's, there's some solidification at corner, you know, within the different schemes that – you know, Clayton White plans on running uh, at the University of South Carolina this year. All right, it's time for the mailbag, the iHelp Consulting mailbag. If you're a business owner and you're always looking to save time and money, iHelp Consulting can help you do just that. It is a Gamecocked owned and operated company whose only mission is to help your business save money on expenses. That's things like credit card processing, internet hookup, insurance, anything else that you spend money on as a business, iHelp can find you the most savings without sacrificing quality. That's important too. You don't want to, you don't want to skip on internet because then you'll be calling Heritage Digital to help you out. <laughs> and remember, if iHelp cannot save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713 i help consulting how can i help you please tell them that you heard about the business on the podcast inside the gamecocks and uh, tell them jc sent you if you want to go save that cheddar you gotta go save that cheddar okay two ways to get into the i help consulting mailbag first is to tweet to at the big spur pod and um you know there's some some tweets back and forth, including Wes Mitchell on this. When the insiders find out information, but decided it's too sensitive for us common folk. I guess that's about the injuries. Uh, who knows? But um, whatever. That's uh, that's fine. Um, and Ricky was joking about that. Not a real complaint. Just teasing you. You know. So that's there. All right. Anthony says, JC, can you make a podcast about Oscar Delp? Well, uh, we mentioned Oscar Delp, number one tight end prospect in the country, according to some. Big-time Gamecock uh, target, Gamecock legacy, important recruit uh, by all accounts for the Gamecocks to make. But, um, you know, I, 
I'll devote a chunk of the podcast to him if he commits to Carolina. Uh, we we do a pretty good job of breaking him down. I, I still think it's South Carolina, Georgia, with Clemson in the mix a little bit. Michigan's kind of lurking on the periphery, but um, I I tend to think as we've all known for a while that it'll be Carolina or Georgia. Um, you know, that's just uh, my opinion. You know, he said a lot of good things with, um, you know, a lot of good things about both schools and various interviews. I don't think we all should make. Um, you know, we, we should make uh, – a big deal, uh, you know, about some of the comments. Sorry, I got sidetracked there. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's that. Um, you know, I, I think that it's going to come down to where he feels most comfortable. I will I will tell you that I, I think the Gamecocks have done all they can do with him uh, in terms of selling it, selling the program, that kind of thing. Uh, and so I believe – you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, 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 it's not just, hey, he's going to come to Carolina if they throw it to the tight end X times or if they win X games. Uh, I think what people are sometimes missing about the comfort level is, yes, he's got major ties to South Carolina. And, yes, he loves it. Yes, he's got – but, you know, the kid grew up in Georgia, you know, Forsyth County. That's a big bulldog area, though. I, I know I have two friends that live in Forsyth. One's a Tennessee fan, <laughs> so maybe you know my personal experience with knowing people from there is, is, is you know, or, or knowing people there now. It, you know, it's not obviously all dog, but that's a big bulldog place. Yeah, people have to keep in mind too that these are human beings. Um, you know, maybe you want to go to, uh, you know, Georgia with your friends. You know, maybe there are people from the high school that don't even play football. They're your buddies, and you want to go over to Athens. It's it's probably a real cool place to go uh, if you're a high school student in Georgia. So my crystal ball is still on the Bulldogs, uh, and it has been for a while. Uh, but, of course, I reserve the right to change that because uh, it could go either way. It could go either way. Uh, and I'm telling you, South Carolina hasn't – you know, they, they still think they're in really good shape. Uh, Georgia still thinks obviously they're in really good shape. Uh, I'd call them the the favorite right now. Uh, and Clemson hasn't given up on him either. Clemson still thinks they're in it very sneakily, sneakily, uh, or, or I don't want to say sneaky. That implies something that's not above board, but, uh, very quietly, you know, they, they still think they've got a good shot. So that's the deal with Oscar Dell. But yeah, I'd, if he commits, man, I'll, um, I'll do a whole show or most of a show. Uh, about him. So we can we continue in the iHelp Consulting mailbag. This comes in from Patrick. I think Patrick may be a first-time emailer. Hey, JC, love listening to the podcast. Any word on Jalen Dickerson and your expectations for him this fall? Last I saw him play was in a spring game two or three years ago. I know he's been hurt, but was impressed and know we need help with safety. Thanks for all you do. Yeah, um, and, and I don't know, if Patrick, if you saw this or not, but he, he played against Florida in 2020, this past season, and, you know, they were sort of picking on Roderick, and then they put Dickerson in, and all of a sudden the Gamecocks were, you know, hold, holding up against a pretty good offense in Florida. 
I don't know that Florida was clicking as much as they ended up clicking at that time. Uh, but Dickerson played well, and he played well in the Swamp two years ago in 2018, three years ago. Uh, played well at Ole Miss in 2018, too. And then the spring game, like you mentioned, uh, I think the issue with him and how long is he going to be able to go in terms of, you know, like without giving out a little bit injury-wise. And I have the same concern with Otrey Smith. You know, those guys have just not played a lot. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I'd love it if uh, Jalen Dickerson was in a position to, to win a starting job at safety uh, just because I think he's talented and I think that the times he has seen playing time uh, over the years, he's impressed. I mean, really, it's, it's not, you know, he had a pick against Auburn last year too uh, on a tip ball. But, um, you know, I, as far as him being hurt and all that, it's just been a constant thing. And, you know, some guys, you know, they're kind of, you know, when they've been injured so much, you know, you, you kind of just don't know how long, how many, how many snaps a game you're going to get out of. So, my expectation for him is it'd be great if they got 20 snaps, anything above that. Uh, I think they're cooking with grease with him. Um, you know, not saying that he's going to go out and, you know, Muschamp said he was one of the best safeties he'd ever recruited. I, I don't know that he'll ever live up to that just because of his health. But if he can go out and play like he's played in the past, I think that's very helpful on the back end. Uh, and he's an older guy. You know, he's, he's he does have some experience. It's not like trotting out someone that's never played so you know that'll be the key there right now he's second string um behind foster and roderick but uh you know we'll see what happens from here moving forward uh but i think i think you know right now in my mind i'd be you know <laughs> i'd be lying if i sat here and said oh Jalen dickerson could start and play the whole game I, I just don't know that he's gonna ever be able to do that uh, I, I think 20 snaps a game if you can get that out of him and he plays like he has you know, that's a positive uh, for this year for Jalen. Uh, Patrick, thanks for your question. I really appreciate that. All right, Mark. Love it when you email, Mark. Appreciate all that. He says, thoughts on Jalen Brooks. This fan base is really hard on this guy based on some key drops last year. I saw a lot of potential toward the end if he can be more consistent. This catch comes to mind, and he links up uh, catch against Ole Miss late last season. He said, not comparing him to Pharaoh Cooper, but Cooper had four catches for 54 yards prior to his breakout year. Fans seem to concentrate more on 11 catches for 100 yards like nobody ever improves. That's true, and I, and I think it's been a big problem around South Carolina is, you know, and, and look, I'll stand up for the fan base uh, to a certain extent. These, these guys have been through a lot. If you're a Gamecock fan, shoot, from the time you kicked it off and – 2014 against Texas A&M until now, that's seven years. It's been a tough seven years. You know, not only have you, you, you see, you know, a, a, the, the coach who replaced Spurrier not get it done, but you've seen your arch rival ascend to one of the best programs in the country. That's not good. <laughs> uh, never happy in Gamecock land when that happens. Um, you know, and, and, and now, you know, you, you've lost 19 of 27 football games, which hadn't happened around here in a long time for 20 something years. Uh, so and then on top of that, you know, you, you get no relief from 
any other sport but women's basketball. And a lot of people aren't women's basketball fans. You know, men's basketball went in the tank last year. You know, baseball had a good, not great season. Mark Kings is absolutely right with a frustrating pair of one run losses at home. When, you know, you win those, you win that regional, you, you got Dallas Baptist coming to Columbia for a super, you could have been in Omaha, you know, and it's been one thing after another for the last seven years with the exception of the final four run in men's basketball. And, you know, maybe, maybe you talk, maybe the Outback Bowl win over Michigan was something good, but went over Georgia a couple of years ago, but they didn't do anything with it. Um, you know, basketball's had some, men's basketball's had some moments since then, but there's been no NCAA tournament, no return, uh, which makes, you know, people start talking about it being a fluke that you went to the Final Four, um, which there was nothing flukish about that run. They beat they beat everybody they played to get there and almost beat Gonzaga. But, uh, you know, when you look at it as a program, you're like, well, this is one in however many years, and when are they going to get back? And so, so this fan base across the board – has been through a lot. So, so I understand all that, but I, I think what you got to do is compartmentalize and realize that, you know, with players, when you're talking about players, um, they can improve and, and you have to kind of discern, you know, what is what, you know, and, and, and you have to also with Jalen Brooks understand that, you know, he didn't just go hide in a shell after he dropped some passes last year, he kept working to improve. Uh, and he's continued to work. And, you know, Beamer gave the, the, uh, I guess the, the story the other day, that he dropped one in practice, didn't make the catch and then came back and caught everything and scored a touchdown and all that good stuff. So, you know, I think drops in general with the receivers, uh, no matter what your opinion is of the quarterback play, and some of it has been on the quarterbacks, but I think drops have killed this program uh, in, in games uh, consistently you know, over the last shoot since 2018. You guys remember the trip to Kentucky in 2018? Everybody, you know, Gamecocks didn't really score that many points. They lost 24 to 10, just despite shutting out Kentucky on defense the second half. But if you notice in that game, guys were running wide open deep. That, that, that was one of the games that the game plan was fine. Same game plan they had against Clemson where they put up 500 yards. They just couldn't connect. There were drops. Jake Bentley was off that game. Uh, A.J. Turner had a touchdown, I think, and slipped and fell. I mean, those types of things, that, that, and it usually happens to, to teams that aren't very good, aren't used to winning, um, have killed the program. And so I understand there's an outsized emphasis on that, just like with Nick Muse, there's an outside emphasis on the drop against Tennessee, which really wasn't that great a throw. To, that well, didn't hit him in the breadbasket, guys. He had to come up and get it. And yeah, he should have had it. There's no question. But that doesn't mean Nate Muse has bad hands. You know, everybody forgets, you know, some of the plays he made against Georgia in that win two years ago. And, uh, you know, they forget he tore his ACL. I mean, you know, people just dismiss a lot of different things. Um, as far as the Pharaoh Cooper comparisons, um, see, that was 2013, 2014. Remember they had, you know, 2013, you had Bruce Ellington. Uh, Shaq Rowland was playing really well at the time, too, um, as a guy there. I think Nick Jones was still on that team. Uh, not Ace Sanders, but Nick Jones. Uh, so, Pharaoh did not really have, you know, that many opportunities. You know, he did have the, 
wildcat stuff against Clemson that everybody remembers that that first year. But then the next year, he was the guy. I mean, you know, and he was the guy for two years. Farrell Cooper was outstanding. Um, yeah, do I do I think Jalen Brooks could catch seventy passes this year? I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, you know, I, I would say that seventy would mean he surpassed expectations. Um, I think that between he and Joiner and Van, they can get to seventy. Um, and, and I think Brooks, when you know, people get obsessed with throwing the ball down the field. And rightfully so, because you need it. I mean, I think different people have different definitions of throwing it down the field. I think some people want to see like the bomb Halinski threw to Edwards over and over and over again. And that's, that's just not, that's low, that's a low percentage play. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as throwing it down the field, Brooks is a guy that can help with that. So can Xavier Leggett, so can Amari Brown, you know, so can a lot of these guys, Jaheim Bell, you know. Um, so, you know, do I expect, you know, him to have a Pharaoh Cooper type jump statistically? I would not say that, but can I, can he, do I have confidence that he could be a good player? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have since they signed him. Um, you know, last year was just an adjustment and he got kind of thrown to the fire. It was another one of those things where you kind of look at it and you go, wow. You know, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy's kind of having to adjust. And, um, but there were a lot more issues than Jalen Brooks on that football team on offense. I, I can assure you of that. But so we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I do think it's encouraging that, that you have a guy there in Brooks that has legit speed, legit, legit size that they're, they're praising uh, for his performance in practice. Because, I, you know, I think that if you have the basics, you have a chance, you know. Uh, if there was a guy out there running four eight that, you know, just was the guy that did everything he's supposed to and ran the good routes and understood the offense and everybody else couldn't do it, I you know I think that's some some cause for concern. But but you're 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 talking about a player uh, in Brooks that you know number one, uh, he's done it, albeit at the FCS level he's done it, uh, and number two he's six two two hundred and two pounds. Um, he could fly, you know, he, uh, you know, caught 52 passes for um, 1,048 yards and 10 touchdowns at Wingate in two seasons. He started at South Carolina four games, um, won the Spirit Award in the spring. Uh, The staff really puts a premium on that. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Let's see sort of what he can do this year before we throw him you know, to the throw him on the on the pile or file him away. So we'll see what happens there. All right, guys, this has been a good one, good show. Here on a Monday, uh, don't forget I'm off vacation, so we're going to have uh, many more episodes this week. Probably shoot for four uh, and kind of circle back uh, as we move forward to uh, the start of the Carolina football season in 2021. Uh, thanks again to Heritage Digital and iHelp Consulting, our two sponsors. Please be sure to patronize those Gamecock-affiliated businesses. Also, continue to subscribe on Apple Podcast and rate us five stars. Uh, got a couple of those. Certainly appreciate that. Um, you can also get the podcast on Spotify or you know on the Big Spur or wherever else. Also, we're running some specials today on the Big Spur. I think uh, VIP free, something like that for the day and then uh, you get a steep discount if you join up 
So certainly want you to join up uh, unless you're one of the haters on Twitter. That's mad about their, our, our Facebook page, which we don't even manage <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. Then uh, obviously, you know, you're not interested in uh, good content because you, you don't really understand, you know, what is there and what isn't. Uh, but other than, uh, the rest of you, please come subscribe to the Big Spur. Get a discount today. All right. I'll be back. Whether you're a Big Spur subscriber or not, right here on Inside the Game Guys podcast. Uh, got a stint or a segment on Keith with Keith locked on the Game Guys podcast later today. And then it's full go all week. We got uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Wednesday. We got JB and Goldwater on Wednesday. Podcast all week, content all week. Uh, as we continue the march towards football, we're within three weeks, folks. Uh, time to start getting excited about the season and looking forward to the opener, uh, an opener of the Shane Beamer era at South Carolina. This is J.C. Sherbert. Hope all of you have a wonderful Monday, and we'll holla at you soon.